Hello and a warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. This week I am speaking to Andrea Nakayama and she is a functional nutritionist and she has many years experience in nutrition. She is an educator. She teaches thousands of practitioners in over 65 different countries because she is so knowledgeable when it comes to nutrition and health and wellness. Now, what I love so much about this episode is we really took things back to basics. And as the title of this episode tells you, there's one thing which we should all be doing. And I'm actually going to do a little spoiler alert now and just tell you that, but the podcast is going to give you way more detail about it. And that is we need to simplify. We need to really take things back to the core. We often really complicate nutrition, wellness, health, face, skin, whereas sometimes we need reminders of those very basic core practices, core techniques, and core values, which is what we really delve into in this episode. So I know you are going to absolutely love it. And I just wanted to remind you for anyone that doesn't know, I have two books, Danielle Collins Face Yoga and The Face Yoga Journal. Now I know many of you know my book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, but The Face Yoga Journal is an amazing book to have either as well as Danielle Collins Face Yoga, or you can get it instead of. And it's the perfect time of year to get it now because you can start it right away. It's undated, so you can start any point in the year. But if you're already starting to think, okay, in January, I want to get super motivated and do my face yoga every day, the face yoga journal is going to help you. You get 52 face yoga techniques. So you get one for each week of the year. So you can do just the one minute per day, but it also allows you to put together a routine if you want to do a more structured routine. You also get lots of wellness tips in there. I also talked about crystals and chakras and how this can help with your skin and your wellness and your health. I give you inspirational quotes and you've got places to journal so you can record when you've done your face yoga, what days you've done it. You can record drug gratitudes, positive affirmations. It's your guide which only takes two minutes per day, one minute for your face yoga, one minute for your wellness hack and if you want to add a third minute in and do a bit of your journaling every day you can. So two to three minutes minimum. And that is all you need to do to really motivate yourself and allow face yoga to become one of your daily non-negotiables. So you can grab that now on Amazon. It's a really good price at the moment. So it's definitely worth just grabbing yourself a copy. There's lots of other good bookstores online and in real life bookstores as well, if you want to go and grab a copy of that. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Andrea, a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Danielle. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. And I've recently been on your podcast as well, which is lovely. So we talked everything to do with face yoga and wellness. And it was great because your podcasts are all in 15 minutes as well, aren't they? So we go direct to the point and talk a lot about (laughs) the science as well. So it's good fun. Yeah, it was such a treat to have you on. And the mantra of that 15-minute podcast is everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. So getting into that recognition that everything does actually matter is super fun, especially for practitioners. 
Absolutely. And that's what you do a lot of the time now, isn't it? Speak to practitioners, train practitioners. I'd love to know a bit more about that and also connect that a bit to your story and how you got into functional nutrition, because I know it is all very connected. Yes. Yeah. Question. Big question. And I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, I actually worked in a completely different field. And in April of 2000, my husband, Isamu, was diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor. And at the time, I was just seven weeks pregnant. So we were in a situation where this passion, this side passion I had for food and how I was working with my own body and my own symptoms symptoms really became this passion of how we could support everything he was going through because it was a yes and situation. It wasn't like, oh, let's just use alternative healing. It was one of those situations where we had to say yes to the surgery, yes to the chemo, yes to the radiation, and what else could we do? So I think about that time as my boot camp in nutrition. I, like I said, was pregnant, also supporting my own body. Isamu was given about six months to live at the time, and we were able to extend his life till about two and a half years. So he passed in July of 2002 when our son was 19 months old. And fast forward a bit, I realized this was really my calling, that there were some gaps in healthcare that patients are often seen as their diagnosis and not who they are as an individual, and that there is a place for all the things we do to support ourselves, even when we have to go through medical interventions. And so that became my life's passion. I put myself back through school. I left a lucrative career. I started a practice. That practice grew really quickly because I was having great health outcomes. And more practitioners were coming to me asking me to teach them what I was doing. I thought I'd start a small mentorship group, and that became a very successful online business where I've now trained over 7,000 practitioners of all sorts in over 65 countries. And that's become the majority of my work, though I'm starting to shift again into writing. I have a book deal and focusing back on the patient population. Was that Cliff Notes enough? That was amazing. (laughs) And it's such an inspirational story. And firstly, I'm so sorry to hear about what you went through with your husband. And I can imagine that was an incredibly challenging time. I mean, amazing that you were able to extend his life and he was able to see your son be born and grow into a toddler. Um, But also imagine hugely difficult for you. And how did you navigate your career as a single mother, as a grieving wife? Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a great question, Danielle. I think that the love that Isamu and I had was very deep and very accelerated. We were together almost 10 years, but during that time of his illness, that two and a half years, things had to get even deeper. And so I always say that I couldn't be who I am now without the gifts that he gave me and even the blessings of the journey that we went through together, midwifing 
somebody to their death, if you can be present for it, is obviously a life-changing experience. And we walked it together, really hand-in-hand, step-by-step, so that it was our situation that we were navigating. And after Isamu died, I remember finding myself thinking, I don't know what to do because he brought out the best in me. Like he brought out the best in me. And I had to pause myself and realize if he brought out the best in me, it's in me. And it is my purpose to live that part of me that he reflected for me. So there was an element of strength in what we went through together and what I call post-traumatic growth, where I recognized that in his honor, not only did I have to live my best self, but I had to address some of the gaps in healthcare that I saw during our two and a half years with his illness. And so I put myself back through school while being a single mom, while working full time. I just juggled it all. And I think I'm very lucky that I also have the kid that I have, that we could navigate that together. If I only got one and I had to do it alone, knock on wood, I got the right one. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. What an inspiring, inspiring story. And you talk about the gaps that you saw in healthcare. Tell me about those gaps that you saw and, and whether they still exist now. Yeah, unfortunately they do. And I think they're getting even broader, which is why I'm on, I'm on such a mission to train people to help fill those gaps. But in order to fill them, we need to recognize that they're there. And we've given a lot of our agency over to a healthcare system that does a see us like a diagnosis. So we're treated like a diagnosis, not the full person that we are. And two people with the same diagnosis got there for different reasons. There might be common personalities in the reasons, but I have a real passion for working with people who have chronic health challenges, whether that's cancer, diabetes, or autoimmunity is a real passion of mine. And I have an autoimmune condition myself, Hashimoto's. So there's similarities in some of our histories. I call it the three roots and the Hashimoto's or the diagnosis is the branch, but the roots in any chronic condition are going to be the genes, digestion, and inflammation. And the branch is the sign, the symptom, or the diagnosis, or if we plural those, which is often the case. And so the gaps exist in how we're seen as patients, how we're treated as patients, the understanding that what we eat and how we sleep and the other things we do in our lives, how we move, how we hydrate actually matter for our health outcomes. That's just not an understanding doctors get here in the States, maybe 17 hours of nutrition training in their thousands, tens of thousands of hours of training. And we can't expect them to know everything. We need them to know and be more in the curative arena, but healing is a different story. And so there's a gap between curing and healing. There's a gap in who we are as individuals. There's even a gap in how often we see our providers because there's a lot of healthcare that happens between those doctor's visits, whether they're once a month 
or once a year, there's a lot of time in there that health care can be happening. So those gaps exist. And unfortunately, I think even those who are practicing functional or integrative or alternative medicine are sometimes contributing to the gaps because the intention behind the practice is getting dwarfed by this fix-it model that we live in. That's interesting. And what do you think that fix-it model is? Do you think it's a a quick fix? Do you think it's putting a band-aid on things rather than looking at those three root causes you talked about? Yeah, for sure. I think it is how do we suppress the symptoms? What's the X for the Y? The question I hear a lot of practitioners ask is what is the protocol for? I train a lot of nurses who are looking for a more patient-centered care that they're not able to practice anymore. And I love working with the nurses, but they're very much in that protocol thinking because everything in Western medicine is based on this is the protocol for this condition. And if we look at autoimmunity alone, autoimmunity is an overactive immune response. And in standards of care, we say suppress that overactive immune response. While that may be necessary at times, the question we could be asking is, why is the immune response overreactive? And then we get to those roots and get deeper into what's true for that individual. But standard of care doesn't have time for that. They don't think like that. It's just, here's the problem. As you said, put a Band-Aid on it. Mm-hmm. It really is. And unfortunately, there isn't the time and there isn't the money in, in the healthcare systems. And actually, you know, many people don't want to spend the time or money themselves. Correct. Um, and it can still seem, I think, and I don't know if you agree with this, almost still quite alternative if you do decide to go down a route where you start to look at those roots, as you talked about, and you start to heal things through nutrition or through movement or through mindset work. It can still be looked at, why would you do that route when there is a, a medication for that or there is a pill that you can take for that? And I know that from my my own personal experience, many things that I've been through I know that I've had to speak to people in my life and really explain to them, yes, my way might take longer. It might take more time. It might take more money. It might take more motivation. It might take being consistent. But I believe inside me is the way. Um, But that can feel a challenge for people, even people like us who are educated in what we do we are lucky enough to have the resources to be able to do that it can still feel like a bit of an uphill battle so you know I do have huge empathy for people that perhaps haven't got training in wellness or nutrition and then they are wanting to maybe look for a different route to that that band-aid approach yeah and I I think that's so true and it does seem like it requires a lot of resources in every way. And for certain routes, it does. But what I really am a stand for these days is that these concepts can be simpler than we're making them. It doesn't mean they're easy, as you said, to do, but they can be more simple. And I think what's happened is that we've even with social media 
overcomplicated making any of these changes. So eating for our conditions doesn't mean we have to be perfect or follow this type of protocol. You know, the zeitgeist may be about plant-based eating or ketogenic eating or intermittent fasting, and it becomes very restricted. And in that restriction comes a lot of the stress and the tightening that only contributes to our disease states. And so I think that the entire area of what we can call alternative healing has become very sympathetic dominant, meaning we're constantly in the drive and the go and the achieve and the have to do and follow again a protocol. And I think we can slow it down and make progressive movement and be able to tune in more clearly to what works for us and what doesn't so that we're taking that agency in our ownership and it's so complicated these days. I mean, nutrition, at least here, I don't know where it is, where you are these days, but it can be a dirty word because a lot of people are very anti-diet. And I would say that's anti-dieting, but it doesn't have to be like that. We can fuel and nourish ourselves Nutrition means growth, metabolism, and repair. And if we anchor back on that, there's so much opportunity to breathe into that in ways that make sense for each and every one of us. Absolutely. And I love what you said about simplifying it. And as I was listening to you, I was sort of getting images of living the way we used to live. So maybe many hundreds of years ago. And of course, there's many things about modern life which are fantastic now. But actually, often we think we need to do more, more, more for better health. Maybe we need to do less, less, less. So not only in terms of what we're physically doing in our day, so simplifying our life, having less stress, doing less, but also simplifying the way we eat, just taking it back to basics, simplifying the way we move move our body it doesn't need to be these expensive gym memberships or all these specific classes maybe we just need to move our body more you know maybe we don't have to do all these amazing mindset hacks maybe it's just about learning to breathe correctly exactly so that's simplifying I think that's the message that I know I would like to spread and it sounds like you are too that actually that's what we need to do take it back to basics and soon as we say to people just do less and make it simpler instantly I think for all of us and I know this is a message I'm always giving myself while I'm saying this is it feels like that ah like you can suddenly breathe like actually yes not like oh we need to learn more I need to learn about that specific supplement and how that's going to help Yes. Yeah. And I find it's actually, it's not a sexy message. Mm -hmm. It it does address the complex. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where those who I speak to who have chronic unresolved issues, the first conversation is coming into the rest and digest the parasympathetic. And there is so much um, pushback to that idea because they think that the answer exists. Is it the mold? Is it the toxicity? Is it the parasite? Is it the small intestinal bacterial over? They know all these things. And as patients, we've gotten accustomed to self-diagnosing and self-prescribing 
or seeing fancy test results. This is my world, perhaps, but seeing these things and then treating ourselves based on that with an array of expensive supplements. We don't even know what they're doing. When I ask people to slow down, track your supplements, why are you taking them? Do you know why you're taking your supplements? Do you feel any difference? We're so far from feeling when you talk about back to the basics, the simplification allows us to also tune in. This works for me. This doesn't work for me. And then we're in this beautiful dance of risk and reward. You know what? I'm going to drink that wine tonight, even though I know it makes me feel tired the next day, because here I find the reward. And the reward in this situation is bigger than the risk. Or the risk of feeling tired tomorrow when I'm on a podcast or I have a presentation or I have to be at my kids' events isn't worth what I think is that reward. And this is the dance we're in with ourselves all day long. And we can't be in that dance if we've suppressed the uh, voices, the information that comes to us through our body's responses and reactions. Absolutely. And do you feel like it is because we're bombarded with so much external information that we struggle to listen to that internal information, that intuition, that inner voice that does have our answers? I think it's a piece of it for sure. I also think that especially as women, we have really complicated histories with our bodies and with food. And that untangling some of that dialogue that we're in with ourselves to actually feel our symptoms and not hate our body for our symptoms or for how they look or perform or don't or do is part of the journey of being able to truly listen in. And that is in the work that I'm doing for my book with my case studies, that's a lot of untangling to get to that place where we can come into the calm to actually listen. So it's the noise from the outside and the noise from the inside. Some of it's ancestral noise, what we carry in our bodies that we were born with from our mothers, like we had to forgive, but actually realize like, oh, I can put that down now. I can put that down. That's not mine to carry. And that may mean we have to look back, look at our timelines a little bit more. I like to say healing allows us to come into the, oh, me, as opposed to the, why me? Why is this happening? We're so frustrated with ourselves and what we, like I said, can and can't do. So I think there's a lot of noise inside and out, and it's hard to move forward and hear when there's the cacophony <laughs> of messages. You're right, exactly. There is so many messages. And like you say, you know, that can go back generations. And yes. I believe, you know, we store so much of those messages within our mind, within our cells. You know, I've been doing a lot this year, a lot of womb healing stuff, which has been really interesting for me. And that's really helped me with my cycle and balancing all that. But the work that I've been doing, I've been amazed to see and understand how much ancestral stuff 
is often in our womb area as well as women and how much we can hold as that not just ancestral but also future generations as well so there is so much there and if people are thinking okay so I want to simplify you know I, I hear this message I want to listen more to what my intuition is telling me and start taking those steps to healing, whether it be a specific symptom, whether it be mind, whether it be skin. Do you have a little sort of roadmap or maybe three top tips to start making steps towards a a simpler but healthier life? Yeah, yeah. It's it definitely for me, tracking is a beautiful way to be in touch with ourselves. And I love what I call a food mood poop tracker. And food isn't about counting calories. It's not about looking at quantities. It's literally just being playful and capturing. There's an exercise we can do after that based on color like just go through with a highlighter or pencil, like what colors did I eat today that came from, you know, the earth? What colors came from the earth today? And have I eaten the rainbow? And right there, when we start to play, we actually elevate our nutrition, right? When we start to think through the rainbow, instead of thinking, oh, I can't eat, I can't eat, what is that happening? Or I need to take all these supplements. It's right there for us. I'm not saying we don't need supplements, but right Right there, we can do a lot. So food, mood for me is in quotation marks because that's not just the mood in our mind. It's the mood through our body. So I think of mood as any sign or symptom and noting down when do I feel that in the day, not analyzing this, but just tracking and poop is a huge, our best diagnostic tool. So just taking a look in the bowl, how am I doing? Am I pooping at least once a day, ideally more? What's the quality? You can use something like a Bristol stool chart to make a number, or you can use words, whatever. So for me, tracking is a big deal. Some people cannot track their food because it's triggering because of histories with dieting or with uh, disordered eating. And so we have to say, if tracking that part is not possible for you, just track your poop or track your cycle or track your hydration or track your sleep. Just one thing that allows us to say and look at, say what's happening and look at some data to actually then ask ourselves, oh, is there anything I could change here? Oh, I notice when I go to sleep at 9.30, I actually slept better than when I went to sleep at 10.30. Oh, interesting. Any information there for me? So tuning in to me sometimes needs some tools for us a lot to do that, as I'm sure you do with the body? Like what can the body and the movement of the body tell us as a feedback loop? Our body is all about feedback loops. So for me, tracking is the best tool. And what we're really aiming for is what I call our non-negotiables. And Danielle, your non-negotiables are going to be different than my non-negotiables. And that comes back to that risk reward. And so your non-negotiables, I'm sure, have to do with many things, but of course your movement. And as you shared on my podcast, what your, how much time you're spending with your face yoga and your practices and, you know, 
I'm going to figure out my non-negotiables, my morning routine and my bedtime and my hydration and which foods I know I respond well to and which I don't. Eating the rainbow is a non-negotiable for me. So when we know more of our non-negotiables and it can be little things, we actually start to have more agency and those in functional medicine are called mediators. They mediate our health outcomes. So the question to ask yourself is, what do I know helps me feel better? And what do I know makes me feel worse? That's the first question you can ask yourself to start to discern, oh, you know what? I feel better when I read every night. I'm going to read every night. I feel better when I'm out in nature every day, or I make sure I get out of the house and take a walk, or I have time to myself before the kids wake up, little things become your non-negotiables. And then you are taking care. You're literally taking it. Capital take. Yes. And it becomes a (laughs) snowball effect then as well, because you start to feel better you start to notice changes you also start to have that sense of self-gratitude self-care which then can snowball into feelings of self-love or even glimmers of of that as well which makes us then want to look after ourselves better and keep motivated and keep consistent as well so I absolutely love those tips and what I would really like to ask you before we finish, well, a couple of things actually, but one thing I really want to ask you is related to the face and skin. You know a lot about what I do. I came on your podcast, I talked to you about my face yoga and how it's so much more than just the skin, than so much more than just reducing a line or a wrinkle. It's about how we feel on the inside and it's really about nourishing ourselves and looking after ourselves from the inside and that's going to show through our face and I was wondering whether you have any tips when it comes to the skin when it comes to keeping our skin healthy youthful but in a positive way because I'm sure like me you're not looking to look 20 years younger actually it's about looking the best you can for the age that you are so perhaps you could share some tips from a functional nutrition point of view for the skin yeah and I think you encompass it all so beautifully, Danielle, in your work. And for me, it always comes back to those three roots. So the genes, digestion, and inflammation. And if we think literally about a tree and think about the face issues, whether they're wrinkles or acne or rosacea or eczema, whatever skin issues we're having, those are branches on our tree. And if we go deeper down to the roots, the roots are the genes, the digestion and the inflammation. But I also in my model have the soil, the areas where we influence those roots because we can't change our genes, what they are, but we can change the expression of our genes. Our digestion is where food meets physiology. And so it's what's happening in our bloodstream and our digestive system is the biggest place where the outside and inside world interact with each other. And inflammation is huge in skin issues. And so just recognizing that those are areas we can think about. And then in terms of the what to do about it, which is always the question, you definitely, I I love how come, come, comprehensive your 
way of thinking about the skin is, but I would say like nutrient sufficiency, particular nutrients and hydration are really, really key. So our essential fats are really important as are some of our fat soluble vitamins. So in addition to eating the rainbow, I like to remind people to eat fat fiber protein and our fats can come from good whole food sources. That is going to help to nourish the skin and keep it supple as is hydration. And I think uh, it's surprising how many things are linked to dehydration that we can even see in the blood or with fatigue that people don't realize is that simple, like we're talking about. So really, again, if we go back to tracking, tracking your hydration and seeing where you're hydrating. So from a functional perspective, that's where I bring it back to those roots, the soil that those roots live in. And then two things to think about are fat fiber protein. Actually, I'll make it three. Fat fiber protein, eating the rainbow and hydration are going to help with our skin. Yeah, I completely agree. And again, you know, such powerful tips, but again, so simple. And I think really that's been the theme of this podcast. Actually, we need to simplify things and the things that make that big difference and really move the needle for us when it comes to our health are much more basic than we think. Hydrate, eat good foods, have new, good nutrition, uh, move more, sleep better, reduce our stress. So I love, love, love those tips. And my final um, little question for you is whether you have one tip you would like to share with my listeners for feeling a sense of inner peace. Mm, sense of inner peace. That's such a good one, Danielle. I, I think it really comes down to our practices and carving out the time for the practices that resonate for us to sit within our true self. And, you know, for me, that's my morning routine, my meditation, my walking, like, where is it that I don't need to be anything for anybody else? And I'm just being present for myself. And I think that grounding allows me to then have that peace to go forward with everything else I have to hold and do in the world. Amazing. Thank you. And would you share with everyone where we can find out more about what you do, where we can follow you on Instagram and also your website as well? Yeah. So uh, if you go to andrianakayama.com, that will lead you back to the Functional Nutrition Alliance. That's the company I've founded and where I train practitioners. It'll lead you to the podcast and we can find your podcast on the 15 Minute Matrix podcast. And on Instagram, you can find me at Andrea Nakayama. Andrea, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and I could do this for hours, talk about this. So it's so lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danielle. I truly enjoyed every minute of it. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. 
If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.